Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. Praise the Lord, everybody. Feels good to be in the house of the Lord today and uh, excited for what God's going to do in this place. Yeah, we're going to go today to Matthew chapter 6, verse 16. And what a great privilege it is to be here, uh, give this great church honor, give honor to Pastor Bounds and his family, thank, thank him for the opportunity to get to be here today. Matthew chapter 6, verse 16, just want to read the first part of it. It says, but thou, when thou fastest. Everyone say those three words, when thou fast. When thou fast. If I could say it this way, uh, when you fast. When you fast. Could you put your Bibles down and let's raise our hands. Jesus, we love you today. God, I ask that you would speak to our hearts. God, open us up, Lord, so that we would be able to receive your word. Let us not only be hearers, but let us also be doers. God, we ask it. Speak clearly to us today. We give you the praise. And everyone's saying, Jesus' name, Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. When you fast. Last week, we spoke about the doctrine of prayer. And we're continuing on this week in our series of Accidentally Agnostic. And we talked about why we pray and the significance of prayer and the impact of prayer and what it does for us and what it does to us. And as you begin to study out the Bible and you begin to look, you'll find that the Bible rarely ever records where Jesus mentions prayer by itself. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 5, Jesus said, when you pray. And then right after that, in 6.16, Jesus says, when you fast. And so this morning, I want to continue on that accidentally agnostic teaching series, and we're going to talk today about the doctrine of fasting. Everyone say the doctrine of fasting. And most of the doctrine of the Bible with fasting is addressed in those three words in Matthew chapter 6, verse 16, when thou fastest. If you want to understand what fasting is all about, you have to understand the principle for which Jesus was telling us. He said, when you fast, not if you fast, not only when you feel like fasting, not only when you deem it necessary, not only when you're in some kind of tragedy or in some kind of trouble, no, no. No, Jesus was stating one of the most significant doctrines of fasting was that he expects it to be a consistent lifestyle of consecration to his kingdom. It's implied in scripture that fasting is part of being in covenant with him. And so the question that I've come to address this morning is why? Why do we fast? Why? Because if you don't know why you believe something, you eventually won't believe it. But first, let's define what fasting is. 
to fast means to to abstain from any kind of a physical nourishment for a specific period of time. An individual can fast for a single meal, an entire day, or an extended period of many days. Or it's to refrain from any kind of pleasure food or pleasure uh, pleasure drinks or, or whatever it is, coffee, for, for, for a period of time. The, the, the point of fasting is that it's purposeful. I am doing this on purpose for the Lord. Just because you didn't have time to eat breakfast that morning, you can't just accidentally count that. Uh, I'm, I'm just going to... I'm just going to count that as my fast as my fast meal. I, I I'm not sure that that really that that really counts. It's it, it's it's on purpose. I am not eating today because I am focusing on God. I'm pushing it away on purpose. Everyone say it's purposeful. It has to be purposeful. It has to be intentional. When we fast, we are deliberately turning our attention from physical things to spiritual things. We, we are refusing food. We, we are pushing back the plate. We are pushing back our desires. We are pushing back what we want, and we are denying our carnal nature when we do that. If you've never fasted before, I'm here to tell you that it's not something you're going to just love doing right off the bat. It's, it's not going to just fill you with joy to push things away that you want. Because your body doesn't like that. Your flesh, I want to say your flesh. Flesh doesn't like that. Flesh likes to be comfortable. It doesn't like to be afflicted. We don't intentionally like sleep on the ground just because we want to. No, we, we, we want comfort. That, that's what our flesh desires. It doesn't like to be, doesn't like to be inconvenienced. But when we're pushing back our carnality, it then provides room for us to concentrate on the spiritual things in our life. Because within each and every one of us here this morning, there is this inward and there is also an outward man. And they are often in constant conflict with each other. There is the carnal side. There is the flesh side. And then there is the spiritual side. There's God's will and there's often our will. And they're not typically the same thing. Our carnal nature does not want to fast. And it wants our own will. We, we want it right now. I want the latte today, right now. But there, there is this spiritual side. That is also at work whenever we are spirit-filled, we, we are spirit-led, and we have to realize that we are walking in the spirit. And so I have to continually push back my own desires, my own will, so that I can align myself with God's will and what he is wanting to do. In prayer, in fasting, it helps to bring those two wills into alignment for the kingdom of God. It's about the kingdom of God. It's not your kingdom. It's God's kingdom. And fasting is an important biblical discipline. It's a discipline. It's a discipline. I, I don't know if binge fasting is really a good thing. And then you're like done for the year. 
It's a discipline of our life that we're supposed to implement in our walk. Everyone say our walk. In our walk with God. In our walk with God. Jesus Christ. Uh, let's see. Be, because if you don't know, let's see, I got, I got mixed up. So why do we fast? It's purposeful. It's purposeful. Uh, our, our carnal nature was constant, constant conflict. Fasting is an important biblical discipline. There are over 70 references in the Bible, both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. It's not something that only happened in the Old Testament. It's not something that only happened in the New Testament. Leaders within the Bible, they were moved upon by the Lord to fast. Moses fasted. Elijah fasted. Jesus was led by the Spirit to fast for 40 days. Fasting was also part of the New Testament church lifestyle. So why should we fast? First, Jesus declared that his disciples would fast. He stated that after he ascended into heaven, fasting would become part of his disciples' practice. Mark chapter 2, verse 18. And the disciples of John and of the Pharisees, they used to fast. And they come and they say unto him, Why do the disciples of John and of the Pharisees fast, but your disciples fast not? And Jesus said unto them, can the children of the bride chamber fast while the bridegroom is with them? He changes, he changes the perspective. As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. But the day will come when the bridegroom shall be taken away from them. And then they shall fast in those days. Mark chapter 2. Jesus is referring to this tradition of grieving or this tradition within the Bible of mourning. M-O-U-R-N, this, this morning fast. While the bridegroom was present, the children of the bride chamber, they feasted and they celebrated. But when the bridegroom is taken from them, that is when they mourn and as a result, they fast. And since we, as the church, are awaiting for the return of our departed bridegroom, Jesus Christ, fasting should be part of our devotion to him. Part of our purpose in fasting as Christians, it, it is to mourn our departed bridegroom. It is to demonstrate our longing for his return. And when we fast, we should be experiencing this increased sense of yearning and of desire for the bridegroom's return. When you fast, it should move you to want more of him. It's us coming into alignment of realizing that we're separated from the bridegroom. We're separated from Jesus, but there's coming a day. <laughs> there's coming a day when we'll be reunited with him. But as we're here and as we're now, we long for that day. And as we long for it, we mourn because we're not with him now. That's the principle that Jesus is telling us. Second, the first church left us an example of fasting. The scriptures give us this, this clear record that the disciples and the early Christians, that they fasted often. Their legacy of fasting is a pattern that we should follow. Acts chapter 14, verse 23. And when they had ordained them elders in every church, and they had prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord on whom they believed. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 4. 
This is the New Testament church. But in all things, approving ourselves as the ministers of God in much patience, in afflictions, in necessities, in distresses, in stripes, in imprisonments, in tumults, in labors, in watchings, in fastings. Fastings was this, this methodology that was proven to us. It was showed to us. It was given to us even within the New Testament church. So let's look at some facts on fasting. Fasting, the point of fasting is it provides spiritual benefits to the believer. There's this, there's this big health movement right now about intermittent fasting and all that it does for you. And it's no surprise that fasting also has, has benefits for you because God designed fasting. But the point of fasting, uh, the point of fasting is not some health goal. That, that's not the purpose of it. The purpose is not your health benefit. The purpose is a spiritual benefit that we come into alignment with God. Why does it matter? Because fasting is a spiritual weapon. Fasting is an earthly thing that we do that has spiritual benefit in the spiritual realm. We choose to fast. And when we choose to fast, it moves things in the spiritual realm. Fasting is a powerful spiritual weapon that helps us and that gives us the power and the authority to have victory over ourselves, over the influence of this world, and over attacks of the enemy in your life. Fasting should be accompanied always with prayer. If you're fasting without praying, you're simply hungry. If you're fasting without praying, you're simply doing some kind of a dramatic diet because you're not bringing into your world the elements of the spiritual. You're just extreme crash dieting or something. Don't, 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 don't do that. Don't, don't do that. Because in order to be effective, it must be coupled with prayer. Because it brings us into alignment with his kingdom, with his will, with his purpose. 1 Corinthians 7, verse 5. Defraud ye not one the other, except it be with consent for a time, that ye may give yourselves to fasting and prayer. Fasting, catch this, is the partner of faith and should always be supplemented with prayer. In most cases where fasting is mentioned in the Bible, prayer is also included. Why? Because it's a spiritual weapon. Fasting is us denying our carnal self for the spiritual self. Fasting is a way in which we afflict. It's, it's a way in which we submit. It's a way in which we humble ourselves before God. Humbling is not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. Humbling ourselves before God is a scriptural necessity for the believer. James 4, 6, God resisteth the proud but he give grace unto the humble. Who are the humble? They're those that can deny themselves. 
there are those that can push back. Those that can cannot focus on just my kingdom, but, but can focus on focus on God's kingdom. Matthew 23, and whosoever, verse 12, and whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased, and he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. 1 Peter 5, 6, humble yourselves, afflict yourselves. Therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Ezra proclaimed a special fast that the people might afflict and humble themselves before God to seek his protection. Ezra chapter 8, verse 21, then I proclaimed a fast there at the river of Ahava, and we might afflict ourselves before our God to seek of him a right way for us, for our little ones, and for all of our substance. Fasting opens up the door to your entire world. It goes beyond, it goes beyond just you. Because all that we can see is our earthly world. But whenever we fast, we're stepping into God's heavenly kingdom. And we can understand and we can't see the benefits of how the spiritual blessing moves throughout everything that we touch. Fasting humbles both the body and the spirit. Fasting is a way in which we afflict our carnality. It's, it's a way of keeping our, our body and its desires under the subjection to the spirit. The greatest hindrance to what God is wanting to do in your life often is found in the mirror of your head. And we often are the biggest hindrance to what God is wanting to do in our life and to do through us. Why? Because we don't like to subject ourselves. We don't like to deny ourselves. Am I the only one? We don't like it. We don't like affliction. We don't like pushing things away. And as a result, we build our kingdom instead of his. 1 Corinthians 9.27, Paul wrote, But I keep under my body, that's his flesh, and I bring it into subjection. Why? Lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. How did Paul avoid being a castaway? He brought his flesh into subjection. I've been in church a long time. I've seen people walk away from God. I've seen people get cold. The result, I've concluded, they could not bring their flesh, their will, their desire into subjection under what God they focus and build their own kingdom. And they don't want to deny themselves for what God wants. Fasting helps us to organize our priorities. It places the spirit over the flesh. The will of the inward man over the will of the outward man. That's what fasting does. Fasting should be a part of of our ongoing life of repentance. 
How many know when you repented that first day, you've done some things since that you need to repent again? We're not one and done here. This is a life. This is a lifestyle. This is, this is a life of consecration. This is a life of devotion. This is a life of service to the kingdom of God. And fasting is, is part of that life of ongoing repentance. Israel fasted when they repented of idolatry. 1 Samuel chapter 7, verse 6, And they gathered together to Mizpah, to Mizpah and drew water and poured it out before the Lord. And they fasted on that day. And they said that we have sinned against the Lord. And Samuel judged the children of Israel in Mizpah. I'm talking about coming into alignment with what God wants. When we're coming into alignment, it's part of a lifestyle of alignment with his kingdom. Ahab fasted and, and he repented of his wickedness after hearing Elijah prophesy his doom in 1 Kings chapter 21, verse 27. And it came to pass when Ahab heard those words that he rent his clothes and that he put sackcloth upon his flesh and he fasted and he lay in sackcloth and went softly. It is important to note that fasting is it, never mentioned as a necessity of initial repentance. Nowhere in scripture is it required that an individual uh, fasts before repenting, that they fast before being baptized in the name of Jesus, that they fast before receiving the Holy Ghost. No, that we can't find that in scripture. However, a spirit-filled Christian, when they have erred, we have, we have record, we have scripture of where, of where they, they have fallen into sin and, and, and it's pro- appropriate for that individual that when, when they're repenting before God, when they're repentive, that, that, they're, that they're pouring out their heart and their soul and they fast as they repent before God. So why do we fast? Fasting is a way of finding the will of God more perfectly for your life. Is this okay? When we need to receive specific guidance and direction for our lives, fasting is what brings us into closer communion with God so that we may more perfectly discover his will for our life. The church leaders in Antioch, they fasted as they sought God's direction. Acts chapter 13, verse 2. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, separate me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. They they fasted and then what happened? Then the Holy Ghost spoke. After they fasted, then they had direction. Understand this today. If you're struggling with alignment, I'm stuck on that word. If you're struggling with alignment of the kingdom of God and you're focusing on your will rather than his will and you're not sure which way to go and you're not sure which option to choose and you're not sure the next step that you should take, whenever we pray and whenever we fast, that moves God to work into our situation because I'm pushing my will back. I'm pushing back my thoughts. I'm pushing back my desires. I'm pushing it off of the table so that I can sit at the table of God and I can let him speak and give direction into my life. Everybody say amen. 
after they fasted, then they had direction. Why do we fast? Fasting is a type of worship. Oh, yes, it is. All true worship, it involves a sacrifice. All worship must cost me something or it's not worship. We can praise without sacrifice, but we cannot worship without sacrifice. Sacrifice means giving up something that matters to me. It may not matter to you, but it, but it matters to me. Sacrifice isn't the same for every one of us in this room. It's not going to be the same thing. But I'm going to venture to say you probably know what it is in your life that you could push back, that you could offer on the altar, <laughs> that you could offer on the altar to God. I'm going to say that you know what it is. Sacrifice means giving up something that matters to us. And when we forgo eating, when we push it back, it is a discipline unto God, and it is a form of worship. Romans 12, 1, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is what? It's reasonable. It's reasonable. God doesn't ever ask us to do anything that's unreasonable. It, it's a reasonable service that we can offer to God. Our bodies are to be presented to God as an acceptable sacrifice. This involves sacrificing the desires of our flesh in order to fulfill the will of God. One of the strongest desires of the body is for food. And if you don't think that that's true, don't eat lunch today. Just for fun, see how you feel. Anybody get hangry in here? Yeah, yeah, I see hands. One of the strongest desires, because it's about flesh. It's only focused on ourselves. It only matters to us. One of the strongest desires is for food. And when we deny this, this desire for a period of time, as a sacrifice unto the Lord, it is an act of genuine worship with God. And it will never be easy. Sacrifice will never be easy because if it is easy, it's not sacrifice. My next point, fasting is not some kind of a hunger strike. Fasting is not you stomping your feet at God and saying that this temper tantrum two-year-old saying, I want you to fix it. Hear me. Fasting is not us trying to coerce God into to moving for our will. I'm going to fast and get God's attention. It matters how your spirit is. Catch this. We are not coercing God to our will. But instead, fasting helps to bring our will into conformity to his will. It's not so I can move God into my will. Fasting is so I can get myself into alignment with his will. Fasting is an effective 
spiritual weapon against the enemy. Yes, it is. While fasting does not put pressure on God, I am here to tell you that fasting does put pressure on the adversary. Oh, yeah. Why? Because it's a weapon. Say it's a weapon. It's a weapon. That's what it is. That's what fasting is. As Christians, we do not fight Satan with guns, with swords. I was going to bring a cool sword, but I don't have one. We don't have spears. We don't have daggers that we throw. That would be cool too. But, but those are earthly things. That's not how we fight. That's not the world that we're in. Our arsenal is of a spiritual weaponry. And it's provided to us by the Lord. It's a weapon. It's a weapon. 2 Corinthians 10 verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh... We do not war after the flesh. We're in this world, but we're not of this world. We're here. We're in this world. But that's not where we war. We don't war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare, they are not carnal. But they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Why? Because it's a weapon. When the disciples encountered a particular man that was possessed of an evil spirit, they were unable to cast the spirit out. Imagine that. The disciples of Jesus were unable to cast out this evil spirit. And when they asked why, they were unable to perform this spiritual work. It was a spiritual work. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. It, it was spiritual. There's a lot of spiritual things. Matthew chapter 17, verse 21. This is what Jesus responded. Howbeit this kind goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. So what are prayer and fasting? They're weapons. What does fasting do? It gives you dominion in the spiritual. Hear me. Fasting gives you dominion at a level that's beyond you. How should we fast? Fasting should be a personal, private devotion to God. Fasting should not be some public display that, that we put out. Fasting should not be something that draws attention to ourselves. It's, it's our personal devotion. We, we should not seek to promote to others that we are fasting today. Matthew 6 verse 16. Jesus said, moreover when ye fast, be not as the hypocrites whew, of a sad countenance. For they disfigure their faces that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. God's going to deal with that. But thou, when thou fastest, anoint thy head and wash thy face, that thou appear not unto men to fast, but unto thy Father which is in secret. And thy Father, he seeth in secret. 
shall reward thee openly. People come in and they're all disheveled. It's got headaches. Ask them if they're okay. Well, I guess I can't say anything. I'm on a fast for the Lord. I think, I think you're missing. I think you're missing the whole point uh, of what fasting is is to do. It's it, it's in secret. It's it's personal personal devotion with God. To use fasting as a spiritual status symbol violates the entire purpose that fasting is supposed to do. It's supposed to humble us. It's not to elevate us. It is against the command of Jesus Christ to be proud because we fast more or longer than other people. That's not the point. The point is that we are bringing ourselves into subjection to his will. Pride, especially spiritually pride, the Bible says it's an offense to God. Getting on Facebook and declaring that you're fasting, um, you're, miss, you're missing it. <laughs> fasting is the inseparable partner of prayer. And accordingly, it is to be utilized in many of the same ways that prayer is utilized. Prayer how many know can be private and it can also be personal? Yes, it can. How many also know that prayer can be public and it can also be corporate? We can pray together, we can pray at home. Likewise, fasting also has that same ability to be private and it can also be corporate. How, how many know you, you can have your own personal fast? You, you can have a weekly fast that you do. It's your devotion to the Lord. And how many know we come to church and we might have a church fast where it's a corporate thing. We're, we're all doing it as a church under subjection. It, it, it works both of those ways. The point of Jesus' word is for us uh, that, that no one should ever know when we are fasting, but rather we should not do things to make others notice our fasting. Fasting should be undertaken with the right spirit and the right behavior. If you're doing it and you're mad the whole time at who asked you to do this, okay, we need to, we need to pray. Because, because it matters your spirit within the fasting. At certain times in scripture, God was highly displeased with the fasting of his people. Israel, because it was not done in sincerity and obedience. Jeremiah 14, verse 10. Thus saith the Lord unto his people. Thus have they loved to wander. They have not refrained their feet. Therefore the Lord doth not accept them. He will now remember. He'll remember this iniquity. When they fast, I will not hear their cry. And when they offer burnt offerings and an oblation, I will not accept them. God said that. Why? It was because of their attitude towards it. I'm doing it just because they're going to make me. Well, God, will rem God remembers what he wants to do said, I'll remember their cry. And even when they fast, I will not hear their cry. 
because it matters the method of how you approach him. Anything that we offer unto God, it must be heartfelt and it must be sincere. Our worship, our prayer, and our fasting can never be offered as just some repetitious, this, this ritual thing, this, this mindless routine that we just come and that's just what we do here and we just do it because we have to. Am I okay? Matthew 6, 7, but when ye pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathens do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. They think it's working, but it's not. Because it matters in how we, evoke, how, we approach, how we approach. Jesus warned us that inattentive repetitions are pointless and they're vain. The same is true of fasting. Jesus condemned the Pharisee who prayed aloud in arrogance and proudly announced his repetitious fasting schedule. Luke 18, 12. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. Jesus condemned it. Fasting to be effective, it must be undertaken with a sincere heart and an obedient attitude. Talking about accidentally agnostic. You can fast and miss it. You can fast and not get the attention of God. You can fast and be in the wrong spirit. It must be sincere. It must be in the right attitude. Fasting can be absolute or it can be partial. Most fasts in scriptures were absolute, meaning that there is absolutely no food consumed during the time of the fast. Uh, Deuteronomy 9, uh, 40 nights, I neither did eat nor drink water. Ezra 10, 6, Ezra did not eat bread nor drink water. For he mourned. Esther 4.16, go gather together all the Jews and fast for me and neither eat nor drink three days, night or day. Acts chapter 9 verse 9, and neither did eat nor drink. Acts chapter 27 verse 33, this is the 14th day that they had tarried and continued fasting, having taken nothing. Fast may be undertaken for various periods of time. In Daniel, there was one night. First Samuel and in Judges, there was one day fasting. In Esther and in Acts, there was three day fast. First Samuel and Second Samuel, there was a seven day fast. Acts chapter 27, there was a 14 day fast. Daniel chapter 10, there was a 21 day fast. And in Exodus, Deuteronomy, and in Matthew, Mark, Luke, there was a 40 day fast. There is no required length of fasting recorded in scripture. It, it, it's not mandatory the fasting that you bring into your life. Each of us should, though, make fasting a regular part of our devotional lives as we feel led of the Spirit to do so. It's walking in the Spirit. And here's my main point. Here's my main point as I draw to a close. Is that fasting should be a lifestyle. It should be part of our walk with the Lord. It, it, it's a lifestyle of how we view God. 
how we view our relationship to God. And here's the point. What happens when we fast? It's not why we do it. It's, it's not the purpose. But whenever we, whenever we come into alignment with God, whenever we bring ourselves into subjection of our will to his will, it does bring heaven into our situation. It does open up God to begin to move in our life. And after Moses' fast, what happened? He received the commandments of the Lord. After Elijah fasted, what happened? He heard the word of the Lord. After the city of Nineveh fasted, what happened? Deliverance came and they were spared destruction. After Jesus fasted, what happened? He returned in the power of the Spirit. After Cornelius fasted, what happened? He received a message from God through an angel and through the apostle Peter. After the apostles gave themselves to prayer and to fasting and the world, what happened? They turned their world upside down. I'm talking about the doctrine of fasting. Today as I close, you can stand. Fasting is a powerful spiritual tool that is ordained by God to help us bring ourselves into subjection to his spirit. It's there to help us defeat the devil. It's there to help us win victories over troubling situations in our lives. And it's there to bring us into alignment with his will. In fasting, we are worshiping God. In fasting, we are drawing closer to him and we are expressing our desire for his soon return. We are mourning for the bridegroom coming. And until he returns for us, we the children of the bride chamber, we should fast unto the Lord to draw closer for that day when he returns back for us. And when he returns, we will celebrate and we will feast with him at that marriage supper of the Lamb. Why? Because he's coming back for his people that are called by his name and that have separated themselves for his purpose. Would you lift your hands with me and receive this word today? God, we love you. God, I ask that you would speak to us today. God, help us to receive your word today, God. Let this teaching find root and let it move into our heart, into our soul, into our spirit today, God. Help us to push back the things that don't to make room for the things that do. Help us today, God, to subject ourselves, our flesh, our will, Lord, for your will today. And we ask it all in the name of Jesus. Everyone say in the name of Jesus. In the name. God bless you. You you are dismissed. We Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Zanesville area, we invite you to join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at theanchor.church. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.